0: I that.
1: One of my favorite parts of being a rabbi is officiating at baby namings and brisses. A beautiful new baby. Got a baby here tonight too. A beautiful new baby. Proud, if a little bit, exhausted parents. Even more proud grandparents. And all the joy that comes along with new life. Hope, excitement, Expansion in our capacity for love beyond what we thought was possible. And in this ceremony, giving the baby a Hebrew name, usually, of course, in honor of a loved one who we miss, who we wish that we were here for this moment, but who will hopefully embody, who who this new baby will hopefully embody both in name and in deed. But this ceremony is about more than just receiving a Hebrew name. Of course, any boys born Jewish know that. Not the most pleasant of the uh, bris experience. But the ceremony of the baby naming is traditionally called a bris or a brit. A bris milah or brit milah for boys and a brit bat for girls. And bris, that is the key word. It means covenant. So equally as important as bestowing a Hebrew name is that in this ceremony, we welcome the new child into the covenant between God and the Jewish people. Ever since Abraham circumcised Isaac in the book of Genesis, Jews have been welcoming our new babies into this ancient covenant between our people and God. And in our Torah portion this week, we read the very last covenant scene in the entire Torah. You stand this day, all of you, before Adonai, your God, your tribal heads, your elders, and your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your wives, even the stranger within your camp, to enter into the covenant of Adonai, your God. Lo itchem levadchem, anochi karet et habritazot. God says, I make this covenant not with you alone, but with those who are standing here with us this day, and, and this is the key part, with those who are not here with us this day, who weren't here in the time of the Torah. And Rashi and almost all other commentators universally interpret that to mean that it's not just those standing there in that moment about to enter the land of Israel. But for every Jew, in every generation, whether born Jewish and you had your own Brit Milah or Brit Bat, or whether you found your Judaism later in life and voluntarily committed to the Jewish people, we were all included in this covenant that we read about in the Torah this week. But what does that covenant look like exactly? And wait, what is a covenant? And how could any of us consent to being part of a covenant that was agreed to with God thousands of years before we ourselves were born? We'll try to answer some of those questions right now. So a covenant, a covenant is like a contract between us and God. But it's not just any contract. It is a sacred partnership that can withstand fractures and rifts, can span centuries and cross continents. In the traditional understanding of the covenant as laid out in the Torah, both the Jewish people and God have responsibilities and benefits. If the Jews keep God's commandments, the mitzvot, then God will reward us. And if we treat other people and the world in accordance with God's wishes, God will look out for us. As we read in this Torah portion, Lo la'am v'hu ye'elecha l'elohim. We will be God's people and Elohim will be our God. but as important as the covenant has been to our people historically and as important as we say it is when a new baby is born or when someone embraces Judaism, how many of us in our day-to-day lives really feel like we're part of a covenant with God? One of the 20th century's greatest scholars of modern Jewish thought, Dr. Eugene Borowitz, my teachers, my Jewish thought teacher's teacher. He believed that even though the Torah says that every generation is included in the covenant, that things are different in the modern period. We have a radical autonomy now that would have been unimaginable to Jews for millennia. Today, we can choose to study Torah all day if we want to, or we can choose to eat a ham and cheese sandwich between services on Yom Kippur. I hope you'll do that in the parking lot. (laughs) Or we could even not show up on Yom Kippur at all. Realistically speaking, contends Borowitz, Jews today do not feel bound to follow the covenant in terms of the mitzvot laid out in the Torah or in later halakhic laws. And yet Borowitz does not reject the notion of covenant. In fact, he doubles down on it, asserting that a reimagined covenantal framework can enrich our lives as Jews and is necessary for Jewish continuity. In his seminal book, Renewing the Covenant, Borowitz writes, autonomy of the self must somehow be a foundation of any contemporary theory of Jewish duty. According to Borowitz, a renewed covenant needs not include every single mitzvah, but should be constructed around mitzvot that each one of us, as autonomous individuals, find meaning and fulfillment in doing. That is how we can keep this eternal relationship, this eternal covenant between God and the Jewish people relevant in our own day. And so, as the new year of 5783 approaches in just two days, we have the opportunity. We have the power to renew our own connection to the covenant, to reimagine what it could look like in this year ahead. So, if following the meets votes, all of them praying three times a day, or keeping all of the kosher laws, if that doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. But my question is, how might choosing just one or two new meets vote this year deepen your relationship with God, with Judaism, with the Jewish people? What could that look like? It could be as simple as finding one way to make Shabbat special, not eating pork that day, taking a break from social media, intentionally gathering with friends or family. It could be setting aside a time each week before Shabbat or maybe once a month to give sadaqah, to give charity. It could be finding a way to deepen your connection to our ancient wisdom tradition, the Torah, the tree of life. Which I can say as a former professional, um, I worked for a few years before college Studying the Torah has given me so much enrichment and added so much meaning to my life. I know we all are experts in what we do outside of this place. And studying Torah, our ancient tradition, can be daunting when we're used to knowing exactly what we're talking about. But I promise, the Torah is so accessible. There are podcasts. There are weekly Torah study sessions every Shabbat here at Temple. The Torah, as we read in this parashah, it's not in the heavens above, it's not across the sea, it is in our mouth, on our lips. It should be so close that we can taste it. It's not so unaccessible so that we can't find meaning in our own lives. But the Jewish covenant is not just between us as individuals and God. Not as Borowitz says, not just between us and God, but the covenant has always been a collective between God and the Jewish people as a whole. So this year, how can we make the Jewish people stronger? How might we deepen our connection to this community? This year, we could host Shabbat dinners. We could volunteer, as many of you in this room do, to bring meals or to make calls to our fellow members who are sick. I promise that you'll find that strengthening your connection and your commitment to this community will make you feel more connected to God and will give you a deeper sense of holiness in your life. The beauty of the Jewish covenant is that it is a shalshelet, a chain, a chain of connection going all the way back to those Israelites in the Torah and continuing on into the recent past to those that we here tonight are named for. And then the covenant, the shalshelet, the chain, extends far out into the future, a new link added each time a baby is born. A few months ago after a baby naming, I remember asking a rabbi friend of mine, is it a little strange that we're welcoming this baby into the covenant without its knowledge or consent before it is, to quote Borowitz, autonomous? My friend, she gave such a beautiful answer. She said it's like giving them a gift, like planting a tree for the new baby. It may not bear fruit for many years, But when they're older, if they choose to stop and sit under that tree, they might discover and sustain themselves from its fruit. If we never plant the seed when they're children, she told me, it will be that much harder for them to find the tree, to sit in its shade when they need to be strengthened, to eat of its fruit when they're in need of sustenance and sweetness. So over the course of this next year, may we all seek out that tree that was planted for us. May we find its fruit and enjoy its sweetness one mitzvah at a time. Shana tova umetuka, to a sweet and happy new year to each one of us. Shabbat shalom.
0: from the soil where the Jordan River flows and on each side of that river there's a house that a man calls home and their homes are built on the earth and stone walls and in those walls each man goes to pray my name stands for glory and a city that's paved with gold that's a gold that stands for the wanting What the other man calls his own And the war is waged over earth and stone And the blood it spilled like the rain And the rain it falls on Jerusalem's walls And in those walls each man goes to pray each man prays quite the same One man kneels, one bows his head and They build walls like, like a cage And on each side a different name is said My name speaks a language that is almost as old as time. And through that time and its telling comes a story and a great divide. For the words were carved in the earth and stone, and they passed through the land like the rain. Jerusalem's walls And in those walls each man goes to pray And each man builds his walls of stone That it won't break like he breaks bread It matters not which side you're on Makes no difference to a man who's not Story Of a giant overthrown A small boy who knows not glory A young shepherd and a younger son And the giant fell by the sling and stone And the tears of joy, they fell like rain each me